0: Hello and welcome to the It's Hard podcast. I'm your host, Paige Boner. I started this podcast over a year ago, uh, but the idea came to me about two years ago when I was going through some major anxiety and depression. And I was searching for a community, a sense of belonging. And after seeking for a while, I decided I was gonna create that community myself. I started posting on social media with long captions and just really trying to convey the message that it's okay to be vulnerable and that we're all going through something at some level. And I got a great response by it. And so I knew I needed to take it to the next level. So thank you so much for joining us. I'm so happy that you're here. Welcome to the It's Hard podcast. Happy Monday, everybody. What is up? How are you? How are you really doing? Like truly, how are you doing? Ask or sorry, answer that honestly. To yourself right now, jot down your feelings. Um, it's okay to be both and it's okay to be both sad and happy. It's okay to be both tired and content. Just remember that. It's all that's all okay. I think by the time this episode releases we are going to be about a year into COVID quarantine. Let's just let's just think about that for a second. Let's reflect on where we were a year ago. Like remember when we would well, first of all we couldn't leave our houses like barely at all and no one wore masks. Like if you went to the grocery store, you didn't wear a mask, which is kind of insane to think about. And it was like that for a while. And then also just the fact that a week before we went into quarantine, we were, I know at least I was, I was in college. And so I was like going out to bars, like life was really normal. And then all of a sudden it just wasn't. And Can you imagine or think about how insane that is for our brains? Like you go from living your life completely normally. It's it's like when something traumatic happens or (laughs) your life is exactly how, you know, you expect it to be. And then all of a sudden it just is like boom. Everybody goes home. No one does anything. Everyone sits in their rooms. It's it's just wild to me. I vividly remember too, I would drive to Jack's house and he lived in Plymouth, which is 30 minutes from my parents' house. And I would see no cars on the roads, no cars in parking lots, like everything was shut down and it was insane. And we used to think that this was going to last like 2 weeks or I remember vividly being convinced that like by the fall we'd be back to normal. So I was like, "Oh, I mean, first I thought the summer we'd be totally fine and then I was like, oh, by the fall we're going to be totally fine. And then I was like, by January, totally fine. And here we are, like a year later, and things are not totally fine. Obviously, there's been developments. Things have gotten a little bit better. But in a lot of ways, it hasn't really changed that much. And, you know, it's it's thinking about when are we going to reach a point where we're like back at a concert altogether or a sporting game or things that we did just so effortlessly and normally, when we're going to start hugging people again and shaking each other's hands and being with random people, like it's so insane that we went from that being a totally normal thing to being something that we like vividly and incredibly fear. And it's sad because we can't have that human interaction. Um, But yeah, I just think about, and I want everyone to kind of take a second and think about like, what have you learned in the past year about yourself and your life and things that matter to you? Um, And how is it going to carry through as we kind of shift into like our new normal and what what could happen post COVID? Because I don't think things are going to go back to normal because truly they shouldn't. I mean, we were living our lives in a way of like busy was good and We never really slowed down, never really took care of our mental health, things like that, that I'm glad that we have the ability to reflect on that. But also, what have you learned? Like I know personally, I learned that I love puzzles and I love slowing down and having quality time with people. I love my podcast and I want to pour energy into it. I figured out a system on how to do that. And if and when we start going back into this realm of, you know, socializing, going to dinner, going to bars, or other activities that we do on the weekends, you know, going skiing, hiking, swimming, whatever (laughs) that looks like for people. How am I going to make sure that my podcast is still top priority and that I make time for that and intentionally take time to be by myself and reflect and learn and grow and read and do puzzles and paint and all these things that during quarantine brought me so much joy. I think it's really important to remember things that made you feel happy, made you feel content, helped you grow through this time that was so hard on us and our mental health. And think about the people that really you stuck through and stuck with through this time and It's been a year y'all and we've come a long way. So really have grace for yourself and really take the time to slow down and reflect on what this year has brought to you and how you've grown since then. Obviously tragic things have happened. It hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows by any means, but for those of us who are lucky enough to come out on the other side, what have we been able to take from it and what can we learn and grow from it? So that's my food for thought today. Anyways, I hope you are doing well. I'm so excited for today's episode, you guys. I just got done recording it and I just, wow, it was amazing. Molly Britt is on for today's episode. She is somebody that I actually knew in college. We went to the same college. We met. She was two years older than me. We had mutual friends. So I spent a lot of time with her in college actually and knew her through a fa- the phase that she speaks on um, in this episode. And then I tell the story in the beginning, but we randomly realized that she ended up moving into the house right next to my sister. And now they're next door neighbors, such a small world. I don't know how that happened. I tell the story in the beginning of the podcast, but it reconnected us. And I you know, was messaging her on Instagram a lot just about different things we would have going on for my sister and her baby and different things like that, making sure they had each other's numbers and they were connected because they're next door neighbors. And then all of a sudden she started posting on, I guess probably not all of a sudden, but I started noticing she was posting on her story mocktail recipes, and different things that were kind of alluding to a sober lifestyle. And I was really intrigued. I have had an interesting relationship with alcohol, being that my dad struggled with alcohol when I was a kid um, for a long time, actually, until I was 15. He's been sober now. Since then, um, I also had another situation where I had, you know, a relationship with alcohol that was not positive at all. And I just have a lot of trauma around it and it has led to me not being somebody who really wants to get that drunk all the time, but the societal pressures can be really challenging in that space. Um, Being a person who doesn't want to drink in a culture that really idolizes and prioritizes drinking can be a very lonely and isolating feeling sometimes. And sometimes it makes you feel like you aren't good enough. You're not cool enough. You're not with it enough. And there is something about that that is just not, it's not okay. We should all have our own relationships with alcohol. And Molly really touches on this, the positive and negative relationships around alcohol. She is 25 and recently became and declared herself sober. And so she is sober at age 25. She walks through her story in this podcast, how she came to that realization, what has her relationship with alcohol looked like and how has it impacted her life um, since becoming sober? What does it look like to be a 25-year-old sober person? We talk about college in general and just drinking culture and high school and the societal pressures that are attached to that. And If you are in high school or college and you feel like, oh, like I really, I don't want to drink as much as other people, that's okay. You're not alone and that it's okay to to state that and be confident in your decision and do whatever is best for you in the end. So Molly is so incredibly vulnerable, so intelligent. She has a background in psychology too. So she's like the perfect mix of having her own personal experience while also being incredibly educated in this. And I am just so grateful that she was able to be vulnerable and share her story. She has a Instagram page now called The Sober 20-something. I'll attach it in the show notes below, but go check it out she's going to be sharing, you know, mocktail recipes, but also personal experiences and how do you, um, you know, go around going on a first date or how do you address going on a first date when someone wants to go grab drinks with you or how do you go about social situations when you're in your 20s and you're not a drinker and, and things like this. So, Go follow her. I think she has so many good things coming with that page. It's it's newer, but it's going to be so incredible and so many people are going to be able to relate. And if you enjoy this episode, share it with a friend. If you think someone would benefit from this conversation, um, take the leap, share it with a friend, share it on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you like to do your social media and follow along at It's Hard Podcast for just daily you know, silliness and mental health chats and all the other things that I do on that Instagram. And then also please go to Apple Podcasts and rate, review, and subscribe to It's Hard. This is a really great way for us to grow and reach more people, talk about mental health, and talk about these types of things that we need to start normalizing. So, that is the best way to support us as well as sharing the episode. So again, Apple Podcasts takes two to three minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. The link is in my bio at It's Hard Podcast, and it's also below in the show notes. So please go do that if you feel called. Thank you. Uh, here is Molly Britt talking about being a sober 20-something And I'm so excited for you guys to hear this one. We'll see you on the other side. You guys, you have to hear about my sound guy. I am so, so, so excited to share him with you and allow you guys to reach out to him if you have any sound needs right now. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I have a new intro song this season. It sounds so good. And it was like customly created by him and I. He did all the hard work, but I was able to, you know, tell him things I liked and didn't like, and we really curated it to be perfect for what I was looking for, and he did such a great job with it. He also edits all of my episodes, which if you think about how long my episodes are, he puts in so much work for me, and it is something I'm so, so, so grateful for. If you are in need of any sort of sound production, mixing, Anything to do with that audio editing, anything with sound. If you're starting your own podcast or you just want another cool person to collaborate with or listen to his Instagram is at Sayther Audio. And if you're interested in anything, please send him an email at Saytheiraudio at gmail.com. We've actually been friends since seventh grade, so he's been in my life for a long time. And when he started this audio business. Um, I was starting my podcast and it was just a perfect opportunity for both of us to work together. And he has been fantastic. I could not ask for anything else. So couldn't recommend him enough again at say their audio on Instagram and say their audio at gmail.com for any of your sound needs.
1: Yeah, I think this is like the first time I'm doing something like this.
0: So it's fun. I know. I was wondering. I was like, I wonder if she'll be a little nervous or excited, or I mean, it'll be great. And just, I think your story will resonate with a lot of people too, and be so helpful. So, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, that's kind
1: of the hope, hoping to just open it up for more conversation.
0: I know. I know. I think it. I think it'll be great. Um, awesome. Well, I think we can just kind of jump right in. I mean, it'll be very conversational, and you know, just go with whatever feels right to you and <clears throat> I got some frogs in my throat so early.
1: <laughs> um, I <know>. am <laughs> still sipping my tea so <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, yeah I just think that you know we'll let it flow and it'll be it'll be great but uh, let's just jump right in. I want to tell the story of like how we kind of know each other and then like what happened when we realized that we're not as far away from each other now as we thought we were. Yes. So, um, for the listeners, know, so I'm with Molly Britt, who I actually had mutual friends with in college, and she was two years older than me and just saw her a lot in college. We knew each other, and then, obviously, you graduated, and so I didn't yep. see you. Um, and Then, all of a sudden, my sister moved into this neighborhood, and this house went up next door, and then we knew that there was neighbors there. And we got out of the car this past, I think it was this past summer, wasn't it? I think it was the summer because, yeah, we just moved this summer. Yeah. And there was this girl sitting out on the porch and I was like, hmm, she kind of looks familiar. Like, who is that? And I get out of the car and my dad gets out of the car. And of course, my dad is like, you know, everyone who's listening probably knows that my dad's a little bit like out there. (laughs) And my dad like starts kind of yelling or he's just like, Hey, how's it going? And just, I don't even know what he was doing, but clearly quarantine was getting to him a little bit of social, you know, lack exactly, of- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I guess you, you must've said your name or something. And I was like, wait, Molly. So Molly lives right next door to my sister in Lake Almo, literally right next door, like two feet I, away, such a small world. I love it smallest world ever. I'm actually going to be there today. So I've been, yeah. So I'm able to be there now because my nephew is out of the hospital and stuff, but it was so wild. So now we're like not far away from each other at all. I love it. I can't (laughs) wait. I can't wait for quarantine and everything to be
1: lifted and for your nephew to be all healthy so we can all spend time together. And I think it'd be
0: so nice. It would be so fun. I know. I'm like, Haley, you don't even really know Molly. Like you haven't even gotten to like really get to know her because we've been in quarantine the whole time that you guys have lived there
1: I know so we're we're really excited to like get to know all the neighbors and such and we want to have like Haley over and Barrett obviously um and then just you know get to know everyone because it's like we're all young people living
0: in the suburbs so it's kind of nice
1: so cool it's so cool
0: Awesome. I am so excited to talk with you today and just hear a little bit more about your journey. Um, I kind of learned when you created an Instagram called Sober 20-something that you're on this journey of sobriety and you're 24. And I think it's just something that I know personally, like my relationship with alcohol has always looked different from a lot of my friends. And so I have always been kind of passionate about, well, we don't need to get wasted all the time and just alcohol in general. I just think there is such a stigma and there's such a challenge around it that we don't talk about enough. And so I'm excited to hear kind of your journey with this. So if you wouldn't mind starting by sharing just, you know, what has this looked like for you, your journey to sobriety at? age 24.
1: Yeah. And I'm actually 25 now. So I've been sober for almost, it'll be a year in May. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's super exciting. Um, but at the beginning, like I would never have pictured this for myself. Um, so I started drinking alcohol when I was in high school and a little background. So I'm from a small town, you know, Wisconsin. Um, and, in some of those like Buzzfeed articles and stuff, if you look at it, like drunkest cities in America, they're number one. Um, so that's kind of like where like, like my background is, is that like, there's, you know, bars everywhere. Everyone goes out to the bars. Um, and it's just like a drinking culture. Anywhere you go, you have alcohol involved in some sort of way. And, I don't see anything totally wrong with that. um, And I'll get to that eventually, but it's, um, it's just kind of like the way of life there. And so I remember vividly in like eighth grade talking to my friends and we were all on the basketball team and we had sat down and we were like, so are we going to drink in high school or not? Like, that was like a, something that you just talked about because we had, I think, Some people that were on the varsity team had gotten busted for drinking, and so they had to sit out of the state tournament, and that was, like, a huge thing, and so we were like, well, should we drink or not, and we were all kind of like, no, like, sports are way more important to us, like, and then I go to high school, (laughs) and everything kind of changed, and, um, I mean, we were all really, like, curious about alcohol because, like, there's, like, this weird, like, you don't talk about it, but it's so immersed in our culture so we're we see our parents drinking alcohol a lot of people do um you go out you see people drinking alcohol in the media there's beer commercials like every time you turn on the tv and so it's just like it's always there and so it's like yeah of course we're going to be curious about it especially when we're high schoolers and we know that it's something that we're not supposed to do at that time, but you know, high school brains were like, let's try. Um, so I first had alcohol when I was 15 and, um, it was with two of my good friends and we just kind of were like, we're just going to have a slumber party. We're going to try some liquor from her parents' cabinet. And it was like, it was all fine and dandy. And then I got like super sick and, um, was like throwing up that night and just like felt horrible and was like, okay. But then part of me was like, maybe this is what's supposed to happen. <laughs> like you just don't know. Um, and so then I, we didn't really drink much after that. And then again, I went to a party like this summer between my, I think it was like my sophomore and junior year of high school. And I was, you know, dating an older boy at the time. And so he was bringing me along to this party. And, um, I had like three drinks and was like on the floor, like couldn't stand, like, it just like really messed with me. And, again, it was kind of like, well, I guess this is just kind of what alcohol does to people. Cause everyone was kind of acting silly. And like, there were some people that were falling over. You see in movies, like, like, I mean, I was watching Jersey shore at the time. It was like the prime of Jersey shore. I'm like, well, this happens to them when they go out and they're like adults, even though I've come to realize that they're like between like 20 and 23 when they're on that show. (laughs) But it's, so I, I'm like, okay, I think this is just like how it's, how it is. And then um so all through high school we were continuously like having parties at you know friends houses parents are out of town okay we're gonna party at their house this like go to the next person's house next weekend and um so we were doing that and I was able to like you know keep it under control like we never got in trouble like parents didn't really know I mean they probably had their suspicions but it was like we were getting away with this and so it was It was just kind of like okay this is like the norm we we party this is like the cool thing to do on the weekends and like I had a ton of fun like I'm not gonna lie (laughs) right like and like looking back like I laugh at a lot of like the experiences I had at such a young age um but one thing that was always present was that I wasn't really remembering things and I was always getting really sick and I was just kind of like, well, that's just part of it. Like, people blackout, and so as I um, graduated high school, going off to college, um, my parents were kind of like, okay, like you're gonna be going off to college. Like, you can start like drinking around us so that you learn how to responsibly drink. Yep. And so it was like, okay, like and that's something that I feel like a lot of people do. And, um, you know, if only in the house, I'll let it, let it slide type of thing. But, um, and so, so like I was doing that, I was drinking, you know, wine and beer with my family and I was able to like you know have it casually and it was like very easy because of the environment that i was in it was around my parents there wasn't you know friends that were like let's take shots let's do this here try this mixed drink this this and that cuz you know when you're a kid and you're pouring mixed drinks it's like this much alcohol and like this much of the soda and you're like oh yeah just alcohol drinks taste like shit <laughs> so like so I mean, so I was learning, you know, some some ways to like drink responsibly when I was with my parents, and then I go off to school. And um, one thing in our um, when we were talking beforehand via email, I said like I was an athlete in high school, and that was like my whole identity was that I was an athlete. And so I get to college, and I'm like, well, who am I now? <laughs> because I'm not playing sports. Um, I am trying to like figure out who I am. I'm in a completely new environment. I didn't. I only knew like maybe two people going to college that were from my hometown. Um, And so it was like, okay, I got to figure out who I am. And so as I was like going through college and um, especially my freshman year, it was like, oh, I'm like a party girl. Like I like to party because I can hang. I've partied in high school. So I've got like more experience than a lot of other people. And, and I can like, you know, chug a beer and like it's kind of cool. Um, so that kind of became like my identity, whether I like intentionally did it or not, it was like all the time, it was like I was going out, my at least in my freshman year, <laughs> it was like Thursday through Saturday. I was going out and what kind of like stunk was that I was still getting really good grades. <laughs> and so it like I was like, well, this isn't causing a problem. Yeah. Like you can party in college, still get good grades, and it was great. And it was like super um, fun. I had like so much fun with all my friends, and it was just like this is what you do in college: you party. Like that's kind of what I thought. You party, you get you get good grades, and then like after college, is when like you stop and like you are you're good. Um, So kind of like keeping going through college, it was like always going out, always drinking. Um, and, like, that was my identity. Like, I was a party girl. Like, people, we would go out to, like, tips or plums. And, like, people knew who I was because, like, I was always, like, there to have a good time. And, like, it was fun, right? Like, you you earn this identity. And, like, people are like, oh, my gosh, like Molly Bridge so fun. Like, she... Uh, She parties, like she can hang with the boys, like she can chug beers, like always getting that $5 cup at tips, you know, if you know, you know. (laughs) And um, so it's just kind of like that's where it was going. But in the meantime, while it was happening, I was continuing to blackout. I was getting in huge fights and disagreements with friends, with romantic partners. And I was severely anxious and severely depressed. And it just was kind of like, okay, this is an issue. And it was kind of like, but I have a lot of fun when I go out and drink. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel anxious when I have a few drinks in me and I'm spending time with people. So it was kind of like, all right, let's find a balance here. And so my junior and senior year i was not going out as much but i was um when i would go out it was like let's go hard you know these are our like two nights that we're going out let's have fun and still having a ton of fun like i have great memories from college but then i also have nights that i don't even remember yeah. and the And I I don't know if anyone else can relate to this, but I feel like they can because some people that I've talked to recently is that like you wake up in the morning, you're hungover, and you have just like a pit in your stomach because you're like, what the heck happened last night? Do all of my friends hate me now? Mm -hmm. Even if like it was like just a girl's wine night, it was like, did I go off and bitch someone out because I didn't have a filter because I thought, oh, I've got all this confidence from my, you know, four glasses of wine, which is an entire bottle, which is kind of like, oh my gosh, (laughs) but it's like, at the same time, like, it's so easy to do that in those environments, but it, like, that, that stomach ache in the morning where you're like, I hate myself, I think all my friends hate me, and that sucked, and it was, like, a horrible cycle, of being anxious, going out and having some drinks because it helped relieve that anxiety. Mm -hmm. Then I was, you know, drinking even more because it was like, I'm having fun. I'm in this environment and you know, that's what everyone's doing. Like, let's do another round of shots while we're at plums, like, or like bar clothes. Okay. I'll get one more and let's hit the dance floor. Like, because it was just like, it's fun. Like I kind of like my adrenaline, I just got caught up in it. And then the next morning would come the depression and the shame, the guilt. And then all day I'd be anxious. I'd like look back through my phone and I'm like, oh my God, delete that snap story. Delete that snap story. Like, oh, I texted like four different boys or like I texted some friends, like F you, like, you know, and it's, so it's just like, you're looking back and it's just like shame and guilt and it's taking over and it's just really, it's hard. (laughs) Out of line, it was just hard because you're kind of expected, and I know like for not a lot of people, it doesn't feel like an expectation, but for me, it did feel like an expectation that I would go out then the next weekend, I would still be the fun party girl that everyone knew on the surface and would run into at the bars, and then it, the cycle would just continue, and so that just kind of like how my relationship with alcohol has built. And then I moved to Denver for graduate school, which I was so excited about, like a fresh new start, Um, but my drinking stayed the same. And moving out to Denver, the first like month that I lived there, my roommate and I would go out and I would come home. I would throw up all night. And then I would only remember like spotty parts of the, of the evening. And I was like, Oh, it's the elevation. (laughs) Like my body's not used to drinking in elevation. That's why I'm, you know, getting so sick. And, um, so I, so that kind of, is like where my mindset was. And so then it was like, okay, I got to figure this out. And I started dating my boyfriend, um, who I'm currently with, um, when I had moved out there, he was still back in Minnesota. So I would come back and we'd visit. And I realized that a lot of those times I was coming back. And this is like me realizing like now, not in the moment, but we would go out for dinner. I'd get drunk. We'd fight. And then I would have to leave because it would be just a quick weekend trip. And like looking back, it's like, oh, that's not really a great foundation for a relationship. <laughs> so, and, but I was just like, you know, but like, that's what we do. We, we drink and like, I would go back home and I'd visit my family. And what we would do is we'd like have one night that we all kind of got a little bit tipsy and we all had some like really great, deep conversations with them the next morning. And it's still that shame, guilt, and depression that's coming through And it wasn't until I had a time where I visited that I got so intoxicated because I was mad at my boyfriend for, I don't even remember at this point, I was like some petty thing because I had already been drinking. He said something and I was like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. I was mad at him. And then I... Drank more because I was like nervous because we were out with his friends. And then I kept drinking because I was mad at him and wanted to socialize with the other women, but like was anxious. So it's just like that whole cycle of like, let me drink more until I'm confident enough to drink or to talk. And so then I ended up having a horrible night. Like I don't remember any of it. Um, but I was rude to him, I was rude to other people, I was like couldn't even stand on my feet. And it was just like, I, I didn't even remember, but I woke up and I was in our bed alone. He had slept on the couch. I like had my Apple watch. So I like pinged for my phone. Cause I couldn't find it in the bed. And I hear it like pinging like out in the bathroom. And I was like, oh, okay. Like this probably wasn't great. And then like it, and then we had like a really like serious talk he was just like you were like you threw up in the uber last night which I've thrown up in like probably like 10 ubers and you, I was used to it at that point and I was just like okay and what else <laughs> like <laughs> because it was just kind of like but that also was like a defense mechanism of like well that just happens like like what else like did I really do anything bad and it was like you know you were really like out there and embarrassing. He really didn't tell me much about it because I think he was kind of protecting me from my own self, which um, was a really kind thing, but I also feel like I may have needed a little bit more of a push. Mm. Um, and so after that, I had to actually that day hop on a flight back to Denver. So it was, you know, this horrible evening happened and then I had to leave. And so I was stuck with my own thoughts.
0: whoop, whoop, whoop. We have a new partnership with none other than Fit For Me by Courtney. These are workouts that I have been doing for over a year now. They are Matt Pilates bar and yoga inspired workouts. Incredible. And they are just so freeing, honestly. I feel like that's the best way to describe it. I don't know if you guys have ever felt like, oh, like, Working out is so hard and it's just like not enjoyable, it feels stressful, it feels overwhelming, it feels exhausting, like have you ever felt just exhausted by your workouts and starving after your workouts? I mean, I know I used to feel that way, I used to do really intense workouts and I just never looked forward to it, it felt like a job. And then I found Fit For Me by Courtney Workouts naturally just on Instagram. I found her and honestly, it changed the game for me. It changed the appearance of my body, which I don't think is even the most important part. But I know that that's important for people and just they want to feel healthy. They want to feel good. I didn't feel like bloated anymore. I still don't. I feel great. I feel strong without having to lift intensely heavy weights. I lift three-pound weights in my Fit For Me workouts. Everyone does. That's what she does. And I'm stronger than I've ever been, honestly. So I could not recommend this enough, you guys. Uh, We are so excited to collaborate with her, um, you know, just a general overview of what these workouts are. Like I said, they are Matt Pilates bar and yoga inspire workout videos. It's all virtual all online, which during this time, who wouldn't want that? Right. I mean, you want to work out from home. We have to work out from home. A lot of us. And, she has them all online. It's perfect. They'll, you know, anywhere from 10 minutes to 40 minutes and so efficient, so effective. You can do them straight from your home. They're supposed to be low impact and challenging. So you might see some of her videos on Instagram and be like, oh yeah, I can do that. Like No problem. Which you can do it, but it's a lot harder than it looks. It's honestly incredible how just one simple movement can be so incredibly challenging. Again, they're supposed to be efficient and effective. 20 to 30 minutes typically is the ones that I I lean towards. I do them right in the morning before I start work. My mind has never been clear when I go into my workday. If I skip a workout, it's like my brain is a fog. It's not even about how I, you know, it's about my body or anything. It's about how I feel. Like my mental capacity, my mental health is so much healthier when I work out and do these workouts in the morning. Um, again, there's a wide variety, anywhere from five to 50 minutes for these workouts. So you could do a quick little one at the lunch break, whatever that looks like for you. These workouts are designed to create lean and toned muscles, get your heart rate up and ultimately just make you feel good. So she was able to give us a discount code. You can enter at Fit For Me by Courtney when you're in your checkout, you're getting your membership, enter the discount code It's hard twenty 2525 Five for twenty-five percent off your first month and a two-week free trial when they sign up. When you sign up at fitformebycourtney.com. So you do have to sign up on the website to get the discount and the two week free trial. And then you can download the app because there's also an app as well, which I don't typically use the app as much because I do use it on my computer. But there's an app, which is great for when you're traveling. Anytime you want to just get that quick workout in, throw your AirPods in, whatever that looks like for you um, and just do a, a small little workout too on the go. It's perfect. So it's hard 25 for 25% off your first month and a two week free trial when you sign up at fit by Courtney.com. All that information will be in the show notes below. So head down there try out these workouts. What is there to lose? See what you think. And then also let us know if, if you, um, are enjoying these workouts, please, you know, follow along at Courtney's Instagram at fit for me by Courtney. Let me know on our Instagram or our email. Um, happy to, you know, share any experiences like that. So it's hard 25 or 25% off your first month. So excited for this partnership.
1: So that was in like, that was like January of 2020. So, you know, before everything shut down and nothing, we didn't even know about COVID. And I was like, okay, I got to get this under control. So I tried to um, just like have it in moderation. Like if I went out with friends, I'm only having one or two. And that was working. Um, and it, it was kind of like, yeah, this is like totally fine. Uh, but then every now and then I would slip up and I would have like a pretty drunk night and I had a couple of times like with friends that I really ruined some relationships on evenings that I didn't drink in moderation. And I was, you know, super mean, super rude and just like kind of like push boundaries of relationships that I really valued. And, um, you know, I, now that I've gotten sober, I, I've been able to talk to them through that, but it, it, in the moment it was really crummy. And so I kind of kept with like that whole, like, I gotta find the right balance. I gotta find the right balance. And then I actually listened to a podcast one time when I was visiting Kurt again, and we were, him and I had had a conversation about like, how's it going? Like, how are you balancing? Your alcohol consumption. And I was like, I think it's okay. Like I still have nights, but everyone has nights. And then I listened to a podcast, um, on my way home on the plane. And it was by, um, Ariel Lori and she does the blonde files podcast. Um, and she's, uh, and she was talking about her story to sobriety. Cause I was kind of like, okay, I got to figure out like you know, do I have to, do I have a problem or do I not? Because it was just getting to the point in my head that I was like, this seems like I just really can't manage it. And she talked about, you know, her story. And then she had like a moment in there. She was just like, you know, a lot of people who are addicts, which I don't identify as an addict, but I, um, I'll get into that too. But so, but she was just saying, you know, a lot of people that are addicts, they, like to talk tell themselves that like I can have you know a little bit I can I can make a balance and she's like there's no real way to balance it. You have a problem and you should probably take that thing out of your life. And so in May, May 17th of 2020, I decided I am going to stop drinking alcohol. And that is what kind of brought me to this point of where I am now. So that's kind of the long version of my relationship with alcohol and, you know, finding that, you know, I do have a tough relationship with it and it's better to not have it in my life.
0: Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm like emotional right now, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have so many things I want to dive into that you touched on and I want to start from the beginning around this culture that we live in, this expectation that we have. I know personally, like, I started drinking my junior year of high school, and that was late. Like, that was considered. Right. Yeah. And that was because my dad was an alcoholic, or he had a problem with alcohol as well. And so I was really scared of drinking. I was like, I don't know if I want to drink. What if I have the same issues? What if I'm not a nice person when I drink? You know, like that was my dad's problem too. He was just a different person. And they say usually that's a telltale sign that something's wrong or that the relationship is wrong, which we can dive into that too. But this expectation that, in order to socialize with other people, there needs to be alcohol involved. Where did this come from?
1: Right. I, and you know, I have been thinking about this a lot and I actually started reading um, the book Quit Like a Woman by Holly Whitaker, and she's an advocate in the um, sober world. And so she, um, her title truly is, it's like how to what is it it's like the like how to choose not to drink in a culture obsessed with alcohol and it it's you know it's kind, it brings up that point it's like it's always been around us and i'm kind of like a history buff i'm also um, in the field of psychology so i kind of look at it like i both of those sides and so i think You know, if we look back in history, looking at like the prohibition of how, like, that was like such a big deal, right? Like, people were like, you're banning alcohol everywhere in this country. And so then they had underground bars and all these things. And it's like, it's always been this substance that's been accessible. And there's other substances that, you know, you outlaw, and it's like, there's way more stigma around utilizing that. But alcohol is like been legal. It's something that like, I don't know, I think it it tastes good. Right. And it also like allows you to be someone or maybe not be someone, but it allows you to kind of like loosen your inhibitions Mm -hmm. and maybe be that more honest version of yourself but sometimes you know as I experienced that was not the nicest version of myself when I was being very blunt with people um it's just so strange like I I always knew that like alcohol was a thing like we had a beer fridge in our home and maybe this is like a midwest thing (laughs) because it's like there's not a ton for us to do when we're young there's limits on what we can do. And we're like, here's a substance that's accessible in everyone's home. So why, like, why not try that? And like, our parents use it to socialize, like we can socialize. It's just like, I would love to do like a deep dive into like the history of it and see like, you know, when did we start drinking like alcoholic beverages in excess?
0: Yeah. Well, there's this element though, too, of the fact that, you know, I don't know if you've ever thought about this or, or heard about this, but how I'm sure you have. In Europe, they introduce alcohol at a young age, and it's seen as sort of just like you have a glass of wine with dinner, and it's sort of it's this casual thing. It's not so prohibited, like you were saying with the, you know, when back in the prohibition when everything was obviously illegal to drink. It was almost like we created this mindset around alcohol that it's like it's this. Illegal thing. And then now we can't drink till we're 21. And so then we're young and we're like, oh, we're going to be cool and we're going to drink and we're going to get drunk. And oh my God, we're so cool, you know? And it becomes this thing you hype up so hard. And then you get to college and it's like, oh my God, there's no rules. There's no parents. Like we can do whatever the frick we want. And people get fricking wasted. Oh yeah. It's like, it is almost this element of like, you want what you can't have. Like you want to just like take this thing that, cause even, I don't know if you felt this way. Like when I turned 21, I was like, oh, well the excitement is kind of over.
1: Yeah. There's no rush of giving the bouncer your fake ID of the uh, like address you memorized. You're like, yeah, that's my childhood home. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, I, I think that that element of restricting it is what gives it that allure that like we want what we can't have and we all like want that cuz it's like well what is it like what does it do like why is it so like why can you at 21 handle it but not at 20 and so it's and i totally agree with that the i feel like it's definitely like an american thing um that it's you know we restrict all these things and we're like no 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 and then it's like yep yeah, here you go free for all and it's just like that draw, because if we didn't learn at a young age to sip wine with dinner, you'd have a very different relationship with it. Cause you're like, well, that's just how you, that's just what I have when I have a nice steak, like a nice glass of red wine. It's not that I have a bottle of red wine when I'm hanging out with my girlfriends and I then don't remember what we talked about the next morning. <laughs>
0: Like you drink because you enjoy the taste or it does help you relax a little bit, but it's not this drinking to get drunk. Like my mom has always talked about this with me is the difference between drinking and, and having, like you said, a healthy relationship, which I'd love to dive into that or drinking to get drunk. Like what is your intention when you go into the night? How do you want to feel. And even that social aspect of your personality kind of changes or your comfortability level, your social, why do we need alcohol to socialize? We're not being hundred percent ourselves, you know, For and sure. it's like, what has it created where if you don't go to a party and you don't drink, or if you go to a party and you don't drink, or if you don't go to a party, either one, you're like the lame girl you know? And I was always that girl. I was always the girl who was like, you're not cool. I mean, for a little while I was getting drunk a lot and, you know, people were thinking I was cool. And then I realized like the same thing. I felt like shit. And I'm like, why do I do this? All right, party people got to tell you about a new foundation that is very close to my heart. And no, I do not mean makeup foundation. I know that it sounded like that, but that's not what I mean. I want to tell you about something that my mom started in honor of my nephew. For those of you who don't know, my nephew is Henry. And he was born in November. And he has what's called HLHS. So, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, which is a congenital heart disease. He has has had to have two surgeries already. And he is only two and a half months old. Um, and he also is going to be having another surgery in March. So my little nephew is super resilient and my mom is so fantastic and creative. She started a little thing called Hearts for Henry and this is homemade baby goods for a good cause. So the idea is to raise money and awareness of congenital heart disease and the proceeds help families of children with CHD. So all proceeds are going towards um, families who have a child with congenital heart disease because, obviously, with congenital heart disease and the amount of surgeries, hospital visits, um, having a cardiologist, it's a very expensive thing and can be very straining on families. And so We want to help support families like ours who are going through something very similar. So what my mom created is a lot of different things, but it started with these little warmies and they are um, shaped like a heart and they're filled with... Rice and lavender. So you heat them up in the microwave and then you attach it to a pacifier and it's just supposed to be something that the, the child can have on their chest as, you know, just like a warmie while they're, they're sitting and chilling. And they're obviously shaped like a heart, which is cute. They also have them come in um, little like chewy toys as well like um, for teething and stuff so you can either get one with a pacifier or one of those little toys and then she's also creating hats and shirts and onesies and sweatshirts all the goods so if you would like to support congenital heart disease Um, please, please, please head over to Instagram at hearts underscore four, the, the number four, underscore Henry. And I will link this in the bio below as well. But there's an Etsy shop on there. And then you can just follow along on Instagram. My mom posts photos of my little nephew, so cute, and just other people showing their support and love for Hearts for Henry and congenital heart disease and we are so grateful for everyone's support and love through that. But if that's something that you feel called to do, please head over to Instagram and do that. And also let us know if you go and order one or if you follow along, um, please message and and say that I sent you over there. My mom would love to see that. So thank you guys. Hearts underscore for Henry on Instagram. I want to talk about that healthy relationship versus that unhealthy relationship with alcohol. What, how do you see that? What has that been like for you? So I
1: was diagnosed with a substance use disorder, a mild substance use disorder. Um, after I decided to quit drinking, I started going to therapy. And so I got that diagnosis after I explained to her the relationship that I had with alcohol. And that's one thing that I think is really needs to be emphasized is, um, because, I think alcohol is totally fine. If you could have that healthy relationship, what happens is if it's disrupting your life in a way that is not allowing you to be your authentic self. I think that's where we need to dive deeper and be more reflective because I was seeing that my relationship with my partner was struggling my relationship with my family was struggling and my relationship with work i was showing up hungover and tired and exhausted and it just like i wasn't able to work fully and i mean i was still in graduate school so that was like my work but it was still like i show up hungover to class like i'm not i'm not able to perform at my best mm. and i think really diving into okay what's your like what's your goal for yourself? How do you want to live your best life or become your best self? And if you have anything in your life and that is disrupting you from doing that, I feel like you need to be really honest with yourself and say, you know, I maybe I don't need that in my life. And for me, that was definitely alcohol. And I think for a lot of people, if they were to take that, more in intrinsic approach at saying, okay, how, how do I feel like the morning after I have a little too much to drink, or even after I have like two glasses of wine and feel like I'm okay. I like, I would still wake up hungover with that. And so it's, so it's like, how, how is it, how is it affecting like the areas of your life that you truly value? And if it's causing disruption, like why continue to have that in your life? And I think that's kind of where my approach to that is, because then if, if, because if you have a healthy relationship with alcohol, all of your other relationships would maintain their health or their level of like success. But if you have an unhealthy relationship, it starts to seep into all of the other relationships that you have in your life, whether it's with a partner, family, work, friends, even with yourself. I think those are definitely things that like it's helpful to reflect on to understand that healthy versus unhealthy relationship.
0: Yeah. To break down what that might look like and I know it's probably different for everybody but you know a healthy relationship can be and I'll let you dive a little deeper into this like able to enjoy a drink or two drinks and and feel okay it's not impacting you kind of like you said whereas that unhealthy relationship is a little bit more along the lines of using it as a way to mask feelings, uh, forget things because you're feeling depressed or anxious or sad about something, having to um, feel like you need to be social or you need it in order to be social. You know, If we could break down maybe what are the signs of an unhealthy relationship? I know you've touched on it a little bit, but then also if you are somebody who probably has a healthy relationship with it, what does that kind of look like?
1: Yeah, I feel like the perfect example is like my boyfriend Curtin. I he has a healthy relationship with alcohol. I do not. And um I I do think it's you talked about this, the intent of what you how you are utilizing alcohol. So I was using it to get drunk to reduce anxiety to feel like I can socialize more so I was using it more as a coping mechanism that then had more side effects than actually helping me (laughs) whereas I feel like Kurt he enjoys a Manhattan at the end of the day he has one or two and he truly enjoys the taste it helps him unwind after a long day and then he's done and we then he goes to bed, um and so it's and and so he is able to he knows that like this is something that helps me unwind, it helps me feel calm, but i'm I'm doing it because it's enjoyable, and it also like like brings me joy in life, and it doesn't interfere with any of his other relationships. He's not drinking it and then being hung over for work the next day. he's not drinking it, and him and I start getting into fights. Um, and so I think the intent is really important to keep in mind. And then also I think you have to start being reflective on like the outcomes that come from it too, because you can have the great intent of I'm drinking to because I enjoy drinking. Like I loved wine. I loved having glasses of wine with dinner and then it would continue after. And it was just like, oh, and wine just is so good. And it flows like water. I just love it. <laughs> I still like think about like a nice oaky Chardonnay and I'm just like, Oh, that's so refreshing. (laughs) And, and, but then the outcome is so like, I may have had the intent of like enjoying a glass of really nice wine, but the outcome was I started like bitching out my sister. Mm. For no reason. I would pick fights with my partner. And so it's, it's, you have to like, look at both sides, like, okay, how am I going into this? But then also what's the, what's the outcome that comes from it? Because if, if it's something that's disrupting the way that you want to relate to other people, the things that matter to you in life, then I would definitely say it could be something that you can become more sober curious about, or you can um, start diving in and think and being more reflective on just how is my relationship with alcohol affecting my life? How am I going into it?
0: How, and what are the outcomes that are coming from it? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I want to touch on, I want to come back to sober curious because, and I want to kind of end that realm, but I want to talk about blacking out and mm-hmm. rounding out and all these things that when you're in college, when you're in high school, it was almost like cool to black out. Like people would say, and I've actually honestly never blacked out. And it's not that I haven't drank enough to get to that point, but for some reason, like if I drink to a certain point, my body like rejects alcohol at a certain level. So like I would throw up before I would black out in a, oh, lucky. Like, I know. <laughs> Seriously, I'm like my brain would. And so people would always say to me like, how have you never blacked out? Like, oh my God, you've never blacked out. And I'm like, well, I don't, A, don't want to, because I would have, you know, like you said, wake up the next morning and be like, what happened last night? You know, like I would, would drive me crazy. But people have that goal and that intent sometimes to black out. I don't know if you know the answer to this, but I would assume maybe you do, but what is the meaning of blacking out? What does that look like? What is the detriment of it on our brains? Like what the fuck is it? And why do people want to do it so badly?
1: Yeah. So this is one thing that I love because it kind of intertwines like my love of psychology and the brain. And then also like looking at alcohol. And so what happens when you're blacking out is actually your, short term memory is not being transferred to your long term memory the alcohol is inhibiting that process from happening so a lot like a lot of times i remember people being like oh my god like you were so with it like you you black you did blacked out like i didn't i wouldn't have expected that it's like yeah because in the moment your short term memory your brain is functioning in that moment but then it's not getting transferred to the long-term memory so that when you wake up after sleeping, you're like, oh, I remember what happened. Mm-hmm. And so there's actually like a chemical thing going on in your brain that is stopping you from remembering things. And then it's, and so then you think about though, like, okay, what are like the effects of that? Like not remembering what happened. And it's like that sense of amnesia that it's, it's very like, it's kind of scary. And I feel like for a lot of people thinking like, oh, I blacked out means that like I drank and I, you know, my intent was to n- not remember. And so it's like, I achieved my goal, but it's again, that intent of like, I don't like want to remember what I do tonight. And it's like, that will cause, I think a little bit more psychological distress down the line, the more things that you have gaps in your memory and your operating in a way that you might not, you don't know how you were interacting with people. And that was one of my big things is that I would interact with a ton of people and I'd wake up the next day and be like, okay, I know I saw so-and-so and and, like I saw Paige, I saw, um, you know, all these people and I just don't really remember what I said to them. And I know for a fact that I'm a mean person when I'm drunk. So I probably said mean things to those people. And it's kind of like, okay, and then that cycle starts. So I feel like the, the blacking out concept is, you know, like biochemically, there's something happening that is inhibiting your brain to process how it should. And then there's also those more mental health, like psychological things that are happening down the line of causing more anxiety, more depression, because having gaps in your memory is not something that you should have, nor do most people want. For
0: sure. Oh, that's, it's so good to hear it from a sense of like a psychological base, because I literally think people just, they don't understand what that means. And they think it's like a good thing. Like, oh, you got so drunk. Cause it's all about like, how drunk did you get? And how hungover are you the next day? Like, if you're the one who sends a snap, it's like, I'm so hungover. It's like, you're cooler than the girl who's like, I'm fine today, you know? Yeah. And that's so just just so messed up. Like it's so, so, so fucked up and it it pains. Have you ever read the book uh, Blackout? I have not. Oh my gosh. I think you would really like it. So I'll, I'll I'll like send it to you or whatever, but it's all about that whole like relationship with alcohol and how somebody blacks out to forget things. And that's, you know, they're trying to shut off that part of their brain, but it's just this really unhealthy relationship with it. When it comes to college and high school, I mean, I'm just thinking of of people who might be listening right now who yes, you're 25, I'm 23. Um, It's easy for us to kind of, I guess, easy in quotes, for us to look back on college and high school and be like, oh my God, what were we doing? Like, why did we think it was so important to drink? And like that thing you said earlier about like, oh, I just knew that I would be expected to go out the next weekend. It's like a lot of times these are students or, or you know people's only options when it comes to socializing and meeting people and they do feel that sense of pressure and they have to be this person that they, ultimately probably, or maybe don't want to be and don't love, but they feel that need. What would you say to somebody who might be in those shoes of like, I'm in college. I don't love going out and drinking and getting wasted all the time, but I don't want to miss out or think that I'm not living up my college years. Like I'm quote unquote supposed to.
1: I feel like the thing I would want them to know is that you're not alone. I feel like there are a lot more people than you realize that are also feeling that same way. But there is that societal pressure, um, especially just, like, not, like, society, like, big, but, like, just, like, college, like, culture that is giving that pressure of this is what you do. And I, and I do think it's, like, a bigger thing because, like, in the media, all you see are these, like, big college parties or, like, high school parties. And you're, like, I'm not doing that. Like, it makes, I'd be cool if I did that. And I just think, like, find what you enjoy and you'll find other like-minded people because I know that I thought that I enjoyed going out and I did enjoy it. Like, I'll be honest, like I enjoyed going out, but that attracted only other people that also liked going out and partying every weekend. So that was, that was just like always what was in my space. It wasn't until like now that I've been connecting with friends and it's like, Hey, I have this like want to do, rock climbing or go, I love to just like go for morning walks and getting coffee. Like the more you put that out into the universe, the more like you're going to attract people that also are like minded in that way. And so I feel like if that is truly something that you want to step away from is have the confidence to say that and then seek out the experiences that you would prefer over that, because then you will find people that also want to do that with you.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's so important and the social pressures can be so challenging and even social media. Like you said, you see people going to these parties and these things and it even exists post-college too. I mean, I don't know about you, but I see people going to the bars or they say they want to go to the bars and there's a part of me like, I, I'll tell you, I love to go to a bar and get my dance on. Like That is one of my favorite things to do. I don't really like to drink a lot, so I just try not to do that but that can also be challenging for people. Like if you're not a huge drinker, but you do like the social aspect is being around people who are drunk and not really getting that drunk yourself, you know? And so that can be a challenge. And I think that's such a great message of like, you're not alone in that feeling. And it's okay to also ask people like, do you like to drink or like, do you know, what is your relationship with alcohol? Like we should normalize that. Right. And I think you've, you know, I know you've said too, like normalizing sobriety and sober curious and like, let's normalize this conversation more so than it is right now. It's not talked about enough at all. I'd love to hear, you know, what sober curious means to you and, and how people can kind of dive a little deeper into that.
1: So I feel like sober curious is just like that's that state of evaluating your relationship with alcohol. And it could be that you are choosing to not drink at the moment. And I think a lot of people sober curious is kind of like an easy way to just like tell people like, oh, I'm just not drinking right now Mm -hmm. because not drinking right now is so much easier to say and accept in your own self than saying, I'm not going to drink ever again. Mm -hmm. And I kind of started out more in that sober curious realm, um, and I was reaching out to um, one of my cousins who's actually um, chosen to not drink as well. And um, and I hadn't I didn't know that like we didn't talk about that until I you know had told my family that I wasn't drinking, and they were like, "Oh, did you also know that your cousin has you know had a similar experience?" And I was just like, "Wow, didn't know that." Um, so again, like normalizing that conversation of like, it's okay to just like say like, oh yeah, so-and-so doesn't drink. And like, no one needs to bat an eye at that. Um, but with the sober curious, I just feel like it's, it's opening yourself to the potential that, you know, not drinking and evaluating that relationship with alcohol. And it could be that you are choosing not to drink at all, or you're, you know, trying to find that moderation point, which I know for myself and other people who had similar experiences, that just wasn't something that was going to be possible. But for other people, it could be. Um, and that's kind of like my mindset on it is like, I'm not anti-alcohol. Um, if you can handle it, like pops to you, and you and you have a good relationship with it and it doesn't harm other parts of your life you can continue drinking and you can drink around me. I'm totally okay with that. Other people might find in like their sober curious movement that they truly don't like the, like alcohol in general. Um, and that they don't like what it does to them and they don't like what it does to other people. And they choose to find outlets that don't have alcohol involved in them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I feel like that, that movement is just, is kind of just like opening you to, a reflective space that you can then start evaluating and whether that's with someone else who might've chosen sobriety or other people that are still drinking and they've learned to have like that positive intent when they're going into it and end up with positive outcomes. And so I feel like it's just, it's this movement of again, normalizing sobriety, but in a way that is kind of like trendy. <laughs> um, And that like, uh, like more people are, are willing to talk about like, oh, I'm curious about it. And I'm not drinking right now because I too had that like experience where I was like, I mean, I remember saying to my therapist, like, oh my God, I will not be able to have like a glass of wine at my wedding. Mm. Like, that's not something I ever thought, but then it was like, I won't be able to do like a champagne toast at my wedding. And then, you know, now that I've been not drinking, I found like a non-alcoholic champagne. And so I can like, so like there's alternatives, but it is so such a huge commitment to saying that you are so sober or choosing sobriety that utilizing like the term sober curious, I feel like is an easier way of introducing it to yourself and to others.
0: Yeah. Because like once you say you're you're sober, it's like that commitment to it, right? It's like you're holding yourself accountable. Other people are holding you accountable. Um, and you have made that decision. And now you know the exact day that you decided to become sober. You know how long you've been sober. And everyone always talks about that, right? It's like, I've been sober for so-and-so, you know, how many years? Like my dad, my dad's sober and he is the same way. It's like, it's been eight years. And if he ever decided to drink again, it's like, that starts over, you know? like. I really want to know how social situations have been for you since becoming sober. I know it looks a little different that being that it's been COVID and we've been a little bit more quarantined, but I can't imagine it's all, it's been always easy to, to just be the age that you are and the expectations that we have around us. I know a lot of times people will throw drinks in my face and I have to say, no, I don't want to take a shot right now. Like I, I am gonna feel like shit in the morning. I already know this, you know? But that can be a really hard thing to do because people do attack you in a lot of ways. They're like, oh, that's so lame. Like, why don't you wanna get drunk with us? Like, da da da. da, da. And so I, I wanna know a little bit about how your experience with those social situations have been since you became sober.
1: Yeah. So I kind of was like lucky in the sense that it's COVID that I, you know, people aren't being like, Hey, let's go out to bars. Like, and I mean, still still some are now that they're opening. And, um, for me, I found that I only opened up to a few people about it right away. So it was like my family and my boyfriend. And then as things came up, I started telling the friends that I was close with that I was going um, to spend time with. And so like one of my best friends from college, her and I were, I had just moved back to the twin Cities, So there were a lot of people that were like, Oh, we should get together. And I was like, yeah, we definitely should. But like, maybe coffee. Like I kept trying to, you know, do those types of things where it like didn't have the pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did get together with like one of my really good friends and I was like, okay, do I text her beforehand? Do I tell her when we're like at the restaurant together? Cause like, we both love wine and like loved drinking wine together. And it was like, I like got there early and I ordered a mocktail. So it looked like I was drinking. Um, but then I was like, Oh, Hey, just so you know, like, this is actually a mocktail. I, and then like, I opened up to her about it and that was easy for me to do because like, we are very close Um, And then with other friends, this things came up like I was invited to a 4th of July thing at someone's cabin. And I had to then tell the friend who had invited me like, hey, um, I am choosing not to drink right now. And so I just want you to know that I won't be drinking. It's totally fine if you tell the other guests. Um, cause it was just like a small group of us girls and, but it was like, I just want to tell you, and then I will open up to other people as we're there if need be, but if people don't mind, like, and so what I've realized is that most of the time, no one really notices what you're drinking unless they're like trying to get you to join in with like drinking the same thing that they are. Mm-hmm. And so if they're like, Oh my God, this white claw is so good. You should have one. But otherwise, like I can put like a LaCroix and a koozie and walk around at any sort of event and no one really like thinks twice. Um, I know I did that, like our neighborhood, we got together and did like a little fire outside. Um, and I was actually like with your sister and we were all chatting and someone was like, and like luckily your sister was pregnant at the time. And then so was one of our other neighbors. Um, and so they weren't drinking, but then like everyone else was like, Hey, do you need a drink? Do you need a? And I was just like, I'm good. Like I've got my, and it's just like a LaCroix and a koozie, but no one could see what I was drinking. Yeah. Um, so like, that's one way I've, I've learned to navigate. Um, but I also just have like realized that like, if I'm the one reaching out to a friend, I'm going to choose an activity that doesn't involve drinking. So I'm going to say, Hey, do you want to go for a hike? Do you want to go snowshoeing? Do you, want to get coffee. And so I've learned that like, I just, am going to be more intentional about how I make my plans and do things that aren't around alcohol. And then I just know that I, when I am invited to things that I do want to go to, but I know there might be alcohol. I just have to be willing to be open and honest with maybe the person that I'm with. But then I also realized that like, no one really notices if you're not drinking. Yeah. And like, that's kind of like a shock to a lot of people who, you know, we've grown up in this like alcohol culture, like drink this, drink that. And it's like, you know, if you choose not to drink in these like more adult, like I say it in quotes, cause I mean, I'm 25. I'm not, I don't feel like I'm an adult, but it just feels like, like no one really pays that much attention to you. Like that's just kind of like your own your own ego is talking, and you're they're saying like everyone's gonna notice. And it's like no one really looks twice at what's in your hand. No. Yeah. Um, and so I found that's been nice. And then I really just though so I found that starting this page um, has really allowed me to be more open with a broader set of people. That it's just like everyone kind of knows, like hey, like Molly doesn't drink anymore. Mm. And I feel like that's been freeing in a sense, but then it also has come to, again, like that now everyone knows. So if I do have a slip up, everyone's going to know. Yeah. Um, and so it's like a, accountability, but then also it, it also frees me up that no one's going to ask me like, hey, do you want a glass of wine? Yeah. If they know. And if they don't, I'm just like able to, I, I feel confident enough in my where I am in my sobriety journey that I can say like, no, thanks. And then if they ask why I just say, I don't drink. Mm-hmm. And like, and it just feels, it feels comfortable now. At first it was very scary. I bet. Um, yeah. but yeah. And it's just, it, the hard thing is, um, it's like new people. So it's like, how do I tell someone who doesn't know me, doesn't know the page and is like, they're like, Hey, come over for a wine night. And it's like, okay, but I guess now I have to drop on you. And I, before we even get to know each other, I don't, want you think like, oh, she's like this crazy, like alcoholic, which I don't love that term, um, at least for myself, just because I, I feel like it has stigma around it. And that's my own thing of having to work through that. Um, but it, so yeah, it's like how, like to to not stress over people's preconceived notions and just being like authentically myself because they'll still like me. I'm still going to be a fun person when I hang out with these people if they're not drinking. Um, but admitting that to a new person, I think is gonna is something that I'm still going to continue to grow in.
0: Yeah. And if it's something that impacts your relationship with them in, in a negative way, like they don't want to be around you because then they're not the person you want to be around anyways, right? Exactly. Yeah. that's It's so challenging though because of the societal pressures. Like I just can't imagine that it's easy, but I do, I love, I really want to talk a little bit more about your page and your Instagram page, because when you made that, and I noticed, um, you had posted a couple stories on your personal Instagram, and you were you were showing mocktail recipes, or even just saying, I don't know. It was like little things that I noticed. I'm like, I think Molly doesn't drink, and and it was kind of freeing. It was like, oh my gosh, this is cool. Like someone close to my age doesn't drink. Like how cool is this? Um, and then you created the page, and I was like holy shit, this is so cool. This is so important. What made you decide that you wanted to start this page? What is your goal with the sober 20 something, which is a great freaking name. Like (laughs) what is your goal with that page overall? Um, and where do you want to see it go? I would love,
1: so like essentially why I did it and why I named it that too, is that because being sober in your twenties is like very, um, like not talked about. I don't know. I am trying to think of a good word, but no one really talks about that. Um, and it's also though, like a very common thing that a lot of, I know women that I know and other like, and men as well that they, um, are going through. And so I wanted to create a space where it was like, I want to be able to post things and like promote, like understanding sobriety and also understanding, the like world of alcohol that we live in and trying to navigate that because it is a challenging thing. And I wanted to create a space where people can maybe look to it as a resource if they are feeling like sober curious, um, or have it be a space where, you know, people may like turn to it because they need that validation in their own decision to become sober. Um, and so I just wanted to, Have a more specific to young people, but also like, you know, anyone of any age can, you know, understand a lot of these things. But I really wanted to dive into a lot of those like issues of like, what do you do if you like aren't drinking and someone asks you on a date to a bar and like, how do you navigate like going out with friends if that's something that you're still going to try to do. Um, it's definitely like still, and it's like youth, the page. And I, cause I'm also like working right now. And so there's a lot going on. Um, but I really want to start pushing out more content about, um, just kind of, you know, that dichotomy of like alcohol obsessed world, people that don't really enjoy alcohol and it's not really great for their life. Um, And so eventually I'll also be publishing a blog that will be connected to all the posts, but just dive a little bit deeper. Um, Like I said, I'm in the field of psychology. And so I love reading research and like kind of getting into more of the nitty gritty of like why. Um, And so being able to share those resources with people and just normalize sobriety, because yeah, I was posting things about like mocktails and stuff on my page. And I was just like, and I was getting good feedback. People were like, oh my gosh, I love that you're like open and sharing about this. And I was just like, hey, like if there's enough people like in my small circle that are like appreciative of this, I bet there's like a larger audience too that might
0: benefit from it. And so starting just to grow that just to see where it could go. Yeah. I love it. And you said something when we were emailing too about the the stereotypical idea of what somebody who, is you know exploring sobriety or is sober it's like you immediately imagine like this 40-year-old man who like definitely. can't wake up without a drink or whatever and has to become sober which was definitely my dad but he w- he wasn't the type where he woke up without a drink it was just like he had issues in other ways which is also important to note that alcohol issues and like we said positive and negative relationship with alcohol can look so different for so many people there's not a singular way that it is or a singular idea of what it looks like but I love the fact that you're kind of breaking that stigma in the sense of you can be 25 and and decide to be sober. That's okay. And you can be 20 and decide to be sober. You can be 21. You can be however old. It's up to you and what works best for you. I, I really love it.
1: Yeah, that yeah, exactly. It's because I thought I don't have a
0: problem because I'm not, you know, the
1: red nosed and need to, you know, have a drink to help myself wake up. But it's like, wait a minute. No, I have an issue with alcohol. Like, let's like the real, real like I have an issue. Mm -hmm. And I know a lot of other people can relate to the experience that I had. And so let's realize that like, you know, a young, you know, blonde girl in her 20s can Choose to be sober and and you know put it out there and like have it that be more of a face that people can relate to because it's harder to say you have a problem when you're like but I don't look like someone that needs to sit in you know in a church in a church basement and in circle in a circle in AA it's like well and you might that might not even be the path you choose to go down with your sobriety but like we said like if your relationship is not great like maybe it's time to evaluate that.
0: Yeah, start with the reevaluation, sober, curious. It's a step by step. You don't have to quit cold turkey tomorrow, but like you said, just reevaluate, think twice about what has your past with it looked like? How has it impacted your relationships? How has it impacted your personal growth in your life? Um, wow. It's Molly, this has been so good. Like, you are fantastic. And I'm so glad that you were able to come on the show. Where can people find you find sober 20 something on Instagram and everything else? Where can they follow along with you?
1: Yeah. So they can follow on Instagram right now at the sober 20 something. Um, and then I also have a email sober 20 something at gmail.com. People wanted to reach out and say, you know, Hey, I have these feelings or just slide in my DMS. I love talking about this because I feel like I didn't know who to turn to when I was making this decision. And so um, if I can be a resource to others, I'm happy to do so. Awesome. Well, thank
0: you so much. This has been awesome, awesome, awesome.
1: I love this. Thank you, Paige. I love it. And this is such a great um, platform. I love listening to your stuff. And I've learned a lot um, about other people that maybe we also have in common that I was like, oh, I didn't really know that about this person. So it's been, It's been cool. And I think you've created such a great platform for people to be authentic and, um, you know, allow the space for us to speak our truth and talk about these hard things.
0: Thank you so much, Molly. What an incredibly vulnerable, honest, authentic story and interpretation and and take on all of this uh, stigma around alcohol and drinking culture. I mean, just so, so, so good. Normalized sobriety. I just am so inspired by her and can't wait to, you know, get to know her more and and really be along for this journey that, that she's on and, and seeing and learning more from her. So thank you, Molly. Follow Molly at the sober 20 something on Instagram. Follow It's hard podcast on Instagram, like rate, review, subscribe on Apple podcasts, and we will see you next week. Thanks for being here.